Bumblebee, Bumblebee, Bumblebee. everybody it's eclipse season and the fact that it's eclipse season inspired me to create an eclipse season themed podcast episode i think you're gonna dig it so we've got good good friend of the podcast dr mindy nedefi is back she was on a podcast this summer about pandemic time kairos chronos if you haven't listened to that go back and listen to that you will want to join the cult of mindy for sure. And if you do want to join the cult of Mindy, you just go to Instagram and type in at sign the cult of Mindy. Maybe it's just cult of Mindy. You'll find it though. And then you can uh, enjoy all the things that she offers in that capacity and many more things. So we're talking about what's happening right now in the big way, in the big universe way. This has been a big year and uh, Mindy has such great insights. She's so smart. She is always reading and learning and just retains the information in such a beautiful way that she can talk about whatever you want to talk about. And uh, she's pulling in perspectives from everywhere. So this is our eclipse season episode. Let's just get going. And let's hear what Dr. Mindy Nenefi has to say. Thank you for being here today. It's my pleasure to be here today. Thank you for having me. That's how it goes, right? That's how those are the things that people say. That's how we begin. Yeah. yeah, the formal the formal greeting, the formal podcast greeting. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me on your show. So good to be here. So good to be here. Um, okay, so we're going to talk about the sky, the mm. stars, the planets. We're in a particularly interesting time for that. In the middle of uh, eclipse season, mm. been referred to a great conjunction coming up. I was doing a little bit of, you know, just Googling great conjunction just to see what things show up at the top. And, uh, you know, went to the farmer's almanac, which had a a little bit about it and um, did give a nod to astrology. um, But was like, but we're talking about astronomy here. (laughs) You know, very like, right. That's what that's what we're doing. But, but in a, you know, in a great farmer's almanac way, which is pretty, I, I feel like it's a, like, I dig oldest. its vibe. Yeah. It feels very yeah. reliable, yeah. very sensible, very grounded. Yeah. 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 Grounded yeah. cosmic it's, perspective. It's, it's somehow been able to adapt to the modern world and have, you know, the farmer's almanac now is not a book, but it's a website and it, and it still has the same vibe. So anyway, we're getting off track already, but, um, <laughs> so uh what um well first, i guess let's talk about where we are right now in the middle yeah. of eclipse season to work our way into the the future that's right we are well first of all we're, we're coming to the close of not just sort of this year 2020 um which we hardly have words for <laughs> how intense and, and, you know, in many ways, unexpected um, and uh, horrible and awful this year has been um, for, and and it's been referred to as, uh, you know, a death portal, like that this year is really a death portal we've all been collectively going through. And this sort of perspective matters that, that astrologers have been, kind of talking about this year for a while, like 2020 people were looking out at it and going, Oh, um, watch out for 2020. It's going to be a a sort of an incredible year of, of disruption and upheaval. And um, part of that is because of the joining of three planets. That's extremely unusual this year. Um, Saturn, Jupiter, and Pluto. Um, And Saturn um, has been, Saturn, Saturn, you know, has about a 29 to 30 year transit cycle, meaning it's going to, you know, 
cycle through it's like side reel motion through the whole elliptic and our our sky relative to the stars that seem stable to us is about, you know, 29 to 30 years. Mm -hmm. Um, Jupiter only about 12 years, I think. Um, Cause it, yeah, it goes through a house in about a year. And then Pluto of course is way out there. So it, you know, is in a single of the 12 astrological houses for anywhere from like 17 to 30 years, very long time. Entire generations are said to be, to sort of receive an imprint from where, you know, Pluto is in the sky when all of these children are born. So Saturn has been in the sign of Capricorn now for we're coming to the close of its three year transit of Capricorn. Um, Just to give us a little, little memory jog when Saturn entered Capricorn, that was the week that in the United States that the me too movement uh, kicked off and had its resurgence. Um, Tamara Burke's Me Too movement, the moment that it suddenly like, you know, I don't, was it Alyssa Milano? Somebody, somebody sort of like, you know, used Tamara Burke's hashtag to talk about um, sexual assault and, and harassment and to begin a movement of speaking out about this kind of pervasive abuse of power and boundary breach. So we knew right then, right? Like, what the mood of Saturn and Capricorn was going to be, uh, particularly because Pluto had been in Capricorn already for a while. So, you know, Pluto's been hanging out there. It, Pluto governs like, you know, death and rebirth and transformation, those kinds of mysteries, but is usually activating issues that have to do with power and abuses of power and things that kind of get repressed and then, you know, wake up. And so right away it was like, great, Saturn, which is all about boundaries and constriction and, you know, containment, um, enters into Capricorn, which is, it's, they say in astrology, it's its domicile. It is the sign it is most at home in. They like each other, they get, they like the same things. Capricorn is also very interested in in this kind of like serious, disciplined adult effort. Like Capricorn is about climbing the mountain of life, like the difficult mountain of life. And and also about the the sort of large structures that we build um, to sustain um, creations and to, you know, sustain systems. So right away, it was like, oh, God, we're just, this is going to be really hard. Um, Suddenly, all the ways in which systems have been used to oppress, you know, certain members of of society um, and have been used to kind of enable the abuse of power as soon as, like, Saturn came in and was like, no. So that is, and you know, that was a year and almost a year into Trump's, um, I'm like, I can't even talk about Trump. I'm like losing my words the moment I said his name. Um, Trump's, uh, you know, term as president. So we are coming to the close finally of this like epic Saturn Capricorn transit, which had promised to, bring light to and unearth abuses of power and, and this kind of uh, a dark, unhealthy boundary breach. Um, and to, in some ways, rest, you know, at least illuminate what was rotten about the systems that we have now. As this year began, 2020, Saturn and Pluto finally kind of met, right? They have their conjunction a conjunction just means they're, you know, at the same point relative to us on earth in the sky. And it was like, that was January. And that was the first moment that was like retro, you know, that, and I remember at the time that was when, as far as we knew in the United States, that the coronavirus had uh, taken off in China and, and what we were talking about at the time was like, wow, you know, this virus in China, 
is going to disrupt supply chains. That was literally, <laughs> I remember we were, we were talking about it like that. We didn't know. It seemed like a big deal. It was maybe going to disrupt supply chains. That's as far as we could imagine. And so Saturn and then Saturn and then Jupiter enters the scene and Jupiter's got this like um, very expansive, the energy of expansion and spread and boom, before within months, you know, by March, by the middle of March, we were in the middle of like a worldwide pandemic that happened. Um, then we endured about six months of like almost every planet being in retrograde at the exact same time. I don't know if you remember that. Um, in the midst of that, here in the United States, we um, experience a civil rights uprising um, as the sort of conditions created by the pandemic begin to, you know, illuminate and make undeniable the sort of like other pandemic um, of racism, you know, systemic racism and the abuse of uh, power from police. And so that, you know, it really has been, you know, we sort of knew this was going to be a year of upheaval um, and, and potential, you know, deep, like kind of a tower year, you know, and the, the lightning struck tower and the tarot where like old structures are crumbling. Um, but I certainly had no idea, no idea it was going to be like this. So this whole year we've been like, Okay, but this portal that kind of opened in a sense in January with this initial conjunction in Capricorn um, is coming to a close this year on the winter solstice, December 21st, um, here on the West Coast, it, that's Monday, that's a Monday, and uh, Saturn and uh, Jupiter are both leaving Capricorn and entering in, into Aquarius and will meet at zero degrees of Aquarius. Um, and this is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. This is like, I mean, you know, whether, regardless of how familiar you are with astrology, I feel like there's a few things that have just totally made it into the popular imagination. And uh, this is one of them. Right. And we're here, we're almost here. Um, so the, after this sort of death portal of a year, this has been, this is like being heralded as this um, profound moment of rebirth. So we're actually hitting an inflection point, um, and, and moving into an age that will be styled by the values of Aquarius, which is, um, you know, a very future-oriented, um, democratic, humanitarian, um, yeah, it, it feels like it has a technological flavor to it, you know, like silvery Moog music and um, uh, the capacity to envision a way, you know, some, some ways out, some new ways of living that begin to actually address this, this inequity and the, this sort of long era of kind of rampant uh, individualism and overconsumption and you know, materialism gone too far um, and, and a move back towards a kind of collectivism um, that, that feels very future-y <laughs> to us anyway in this moment. Right. Yeah, so that's what's going on. Um, yeah, we're also getting an, a little what we call an eclipse season right before the solstice. Eclipses always come in pairs, at least. Um, you have a, a new, you know, uh, like a full moon lunar eclipse and then a new moon solar eclipse, you know, within two weeks of each other. So we just recently had um, a partial lunar eclipse on the full moon in Gemini. And then this coming Monday, um, December 14th is a new moon. So the moon will be completely dark, S total solar eclipse in Sagittarius. So the dark new moon is going to hit a conjunction, right? With the sun and block it out entirely. 
um, at 23 degrees of Sagittarius. Um, and I think, I think it's going to be interesting. How are you feeling? How am I feeling? Yes. Yes. Mm. I'm feeling all the feelings, I guess, is the answer to that. Um, but I, you know, it, it was, it was the, you had mentioned months and months ago, the, the December 21st and the conjunction. And, and while I've, learn more about it over time. I, I'll, all I heard at the beginning was, okay, it's 2020. You just have, just have to make it to the 21st. Like, it, like what, whatever does transform or change at that moment, I was like, it, it's, it's, there's, there, uh, something's, ha something's coming. Um, and so, yeah. So as it's now getting closer and I have learned more about what those details are, um, it has only felt more, more that way where, uh, okay, all right. And, and even in the middle of this time, you know, uh, all, all, you know, even, well, I guess all through 2020, you know, every peak that we've had of like, oh, we're relaxed for just a second. Uh, and then, and then we're back up to, uh, you know, what's the newest thing that, yeah. That. Like, yeah, threat level Bravo or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that means. yeah, absolutely. We've just been riding these, you know, massive waves of, of sort of danger and distress and upheaval and um, calls to sometimes like great intense calls to action and other times really like intense restrictions on action. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes both of those things at the exact same time. Um, has been a really big theme of this year, like feeling a lot of activation and a lot of fight and flight energy while also being told to um, stay home and not do anything and not go anywhere, if at all possible. Um, yeah, we've had kind of a, a, it's been a real crisis of a year yeah. in terms of our own agency. And at, and at the same time, I, I do believe we've experienced an awakening of embodied agency this year because of these conditions. Mm -hmm. I, I know I sort of, I, I reached a point at some point during this Trump presidency of, of just that, just that total clarity of like, Oh my God, like nobody is in charge. You know, there's, there's no, room of smart, um, stable minds, you know, that are, you know, trained to deal with, you know, and are, are like diving into the complexity and developing great ideas and executing them. There's like nobody at the wheel. Mm -hmm. And, and even the person who may be at the wheel, if there is a wheel is, you know, terrifying um, and incompetent. And uh, so any illusion we had before, you know, maybe even, you know, during Barack Obama's time in office of like, listen, really smart people are on top of this. So we can, I, we can relax. You know what I mean? I don't really got to do anything other than my own work and, and tending to my own kind of sphere in my own zone. Um, there's in that sense, there's always work to do. There's always service to be done, but you know, a strong sense of like, I don't, yeah, there, there's people working on this. <laughs> I don't and then worry about that high level because it's it mm. is under control. And that, that is not the case has not been the case this year and, and has directly led to the exact place we are right now that it, it the, uh, but mm. At the same time, like as you said, it's it's revealed so many important things, and the, and those things aren't those those things won't change on the twenty first. But the the you know the what we're finding underneath them like can be continue to be examined and shifted. Uh, yeah, I think what's so useful to me about astrology. You know, I think it's so important to, you know, kind of like use systems of symbols in a good way as tools for contemplation and reflection. 
um, you know, astrology is not giving us in a sense, literal answers or, you know, predictions, but it is this really like high level uh, perspective where, we, where we're able to kind of pull back and see patterns that are affecting all of us, right? Um, and we get to kind of deeply dive into contemplation about, you know, where these, these cycles and revolutions um, that are, you know, much bigger than us are impacting us and also meeting our sort of our own personal experience of these cycles and where these little waves are canceling each other out or amplifying each other. Um, and it helps us, it helps me to like kind of step back in a sense from the, you know, minutia of life of the actual kind of, yeah, the, the details of, of getting, of living my life and getting it done and drawing back from a second and going, whoa, like what, what themes are uh, activated in my life right now? You know, and is there a way that I can be, um, as I always say, like in the river of what's happening now? Like, can I align myself and my process with the waves going on in the collective and, and use this amplification on purpose? Um, use it intentionally instead of just being kind of like bowled over by it every once in a while. Um, and so there's a, you know, kind of an invitation at this moment as we like arrive at an actual kind of inflection moment, a moment of death and rebirth. And, um, you know, we get these every year like this. You, we get to do this every year. We get to have a, a solstice in the winter um, where we have, you know, the longest, the longest night, you know, and this time of maximum darkness um, and it's, you know, in the Northern hemisphere, at least it's definitely a time of where we do a lot of like fire and light rituals. Cause where it's, you know, that night is long and we're trying to like gather together and stay warm and, and call the light back to us um, and, and do the things we need to do to get through winter. But this year it's, it's just like that on, steroids, you know, I mean, it's, it's that opportunity, um, very much amplified because of this great, great conjunction that happens on that same day. Uh, this, the conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter, um, I believe happens about every 20 years, but it's, which is, you know, as far as planetary conjunctions go somewhat rare, um, but this one is the closest they will actually come and appear to us since the time, since like the 1200s or something like that, since right. Galileo. Right. Yeah. Or that it was right. The, I think I, I did, I did some research. <laughs> I read some articles. Observable. Yeah, in some science magazines. Yeah. Last one was the 1600s. Um, Last time it was observable was the 1200s. Yeah. So that's significant, right? That's uh, we're talking right Galileo, medieval times. That's a way yeah. back, in in a sense, you know, how we for our our sense of time. Anyway, that's right, and it and see it, it gives us an invitation to actually think in these like large arcs of time as well, and to go, mm -hmm. wow, like where are we in the law in the like larger movement toward um, freedom and liberation, and you know the things that we, the things we're here to, the things we're here to tend to. Right. Yeah. We, it, it, it pulls away from what can, we can all as humans, I think, start to feel that we're in a one person show and that we somehow have control and somehow mm -hmm. we know stuff about what's going on or what we can do. Like that there's some sort of sense, you know, yeah. to like that, that, you know, I don't know that we're choosing, you know, the, that, uh, but then, you know, sort of tapping into these big things that are happening in the big sky yeah. and knowing that, that it's, it's, it's happening in the space that we're in. So how, how, how it makes sense that it would be, you know, part of the current that we're yeah. swimming in, you know, it, it, uh, like, oh, yeah. why not? 
like allow that in to, uh, you know, be more in, in the, in the flow, you know, in the, in the cosmic flow. Yeah. As it's happening around us. Yeah. And it, it, I think doing so aligns yourself with this orientation. That's like, you know, I, to me, it's the, it's the orientation towards relationship and interrelationship and the recognition that like, I am a part of a huge whole, you know, something much bigger than me. Um, something that's like way bigger than what I can even imagine. Um, and it's probably an important thing to live my life in acknowledgement of that. <laughs> I think there's an even a, an invitation as we move into this era, you know, styled by Aquarius. Aquarius is opposite in the Zodiac wheel to Leo. Leo is, you know, um, hair metal, you know, like guitar solo, like diva energy. Um, and it's very, you know, if it, if it were a political system, it would be monarchy, you know, and Leo's great. You know, we all, everybody's got everything. Everybody's got all the archetypes to play with. And the Leo energy can help us connect with um, that sense of like, ooh, like, uh, what am I here to create? You know, what is, what is my unique individual contribution I can make in the world? What's my, what's like the unique vibration of my expression? What am I here to do with my life? And Aquarius is the opposite of that. It is interested in what we can create together. So it is not interested in, you know, monarchy or individual expression. It is asking us to, um, yeah, feel into, I think, a new, like new models of, of uh, activism and leadership and creativity and, you know, that, that, that kind of in some ways heal the wounds of, of hierarchical power. And it's not necessarily a, a move toward anarchy. There's still like a high sense of organization to it. Although I would also argue, you know, anarchy is a kind of natural organization. It's not, anarchy is not the same thing as chaos, but um, yeah, but there's something, there is something um, that's kind of elegant about Aquarius, this Aquarian vibe. And as all of us start to feel into the real issue of, of like, oh yeah, the problems we have to solve cannot be solved by individual heroic efforts. There's nothing I can do personally. Uh, even if I'm Greta Thunberg, there's nothing I can do personally to stop climate change. These are issues we can certainly personally like devote our lives to being about but that we have to solve collectively and how to actually bring about cultural transformation, like cultural change, actual authentic transformation and attitude and belief is what is what is on the table. Like what we're, we're trying to call in next mm -hmm. is an authentic transformation in, in cultural beliefs, cultural attitudes that value the value collectivism that um, value the ethic of, of care, I think, and like how we care for one another, how we care for the biosphere, for the earth, um, attention to systems, you know, like and building systems that care for every part of the process, you know, like, for example, maybe we should not be producing things anymore that we don't know what to do with when it's like use has ended, you know what I mean? If, that we're just like, well, if, if, the, if, when it's, if when we're done with it, it's supposed to just go into a landfill. Um, you know what? We're not doing it right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Things need to have, you know, we need to plan for um, how resources will be um, re, you know, invested and reconsumed um, and, and start to develop that kind of vision. Um and I feel like it's close. I feel like it's so close. I feel like it's, we're very, you know, like, mm, it's, it's 
so much closer than I think it is, even though at the same time, I feel like, oh my God, how are we ever going to get there? 50% of, you know, voters just, just were like, actually Trump's great. Yeah. Um, well, maybe not quite 50%, but you know what I mean? Uh, it hurts. Plenty, plenty, <laughs> lots. Lots, lots of people were like, I like this guy. Um, and that can feel very despair, you know, despairing. I can feel a lot of despair about that. Um, and yet I also feel like genuinely, um, like we have the capacity as a species to evolve and we have the capacity to stretch our imaginations first to like, you know, live the revolution in our imaginations. Um, so we can start thinking of new ways of doing things, get, you know, and, and beginning to go like, just because we've always done something a certain way, <laughs> like that, that's, that's not going to stop us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and if, if the, if you if think about the, the individualistic cultural, you know, themes or way, you know, that we've been uh, existing in, Mm. The, I, like you're saying, you, not just one person can change it the other way. So we're like even first getting out of the mentality of individual, whether it's individual person that's you just take care of yourself and don't care about anyone else. Or if you want something to change, you change it yourself, like shifting out of that, you know, into the collective mindset. And then what, the, you know, then, then what do we do with that? You know, then what are the changes that come just with that mindset change? Um, so yeah. Um, and I think we can all do some like personal witchcraft, you know, in the next few weeks. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to get to. So what, so um, for um, people who are, you know, just sort of starting to understand what the great conjunction means, what is up, like what, what can, what can someone, how, how should they, what should they be, how should they relate to this, I guess, is the question. What's a, what's a way to relate to what's, going on so that people feel that. Yeah, I think it's just a really good, it's the right time to reflect and, you know, certainly to review the last three years of the of your life mm -hmm. and go like, what have I learned? What healing have I gone through? Um, what have I outgrown? Um, what have I survived, you know, and how have I been changed by the last three years of my life, you know? And taking some time to first sort of honor what's happened and honor how you've changed and grown and, and feel into if there's, you know, is there anything about that that feels unfinished, that feels like, mm, have I left anything undone in terms of like, maybe there's some old, an old way of life, um, old relationships, um, old patterns or beliefs that you've been, you know, given the opportunity to change and that you're still just, mm, you know, it feels like there's a few little subtleties or not so subtleties that feel like, okay, I, I really haven't totally let this go. <laughs> um, and I do think that this, this eclipse season, these two eclipses um, are kind of activating some, some consciousness around some of that, you know, what is, what am I, what, it, you know, what's up now, what has, what is maybe trying to die and be done at this time in my life. That's right. Yeah. And, and just imagining, you know, that as we perform these kinds of rituals, even throughout the year on new moons and full moons, what we're doing is practicing letting go and then practicing setting intentions and, and calling something in. And I think it's easy to think about what you want. Maybe it might be easier to think about what I want. What's the new thing I want to call in and harder to back off from that and go, Oh, wow. If I want to call that in, what do I actually have to let go of first? Yeah. Um, what's in the way what might I need to sacrifice? Um, because, you know, if you want someone to fill your cup with something new, first you have to empty your cup. You know, you got to create space. got to let some shit go. Yeah. So 
that's how I'm spending this next, you know, the, the, the rest of this week and next week ahead of the solstice is, is, is thinking, is contemplating that, right? What do I need to kind of um, let go of or be done with? You know, for me, I'm, I, I feel like I'm finishing a really big cycle um, that also kind of needs to be celebrated and the, like the big finish needs to be celebrated. So I'm not letting it go in a way of like, oh, I'm so done with this. I want to, but also it's like, now I need to be done with this. <laughs> and wow, I'm done with this. Um, and so, yeah, ahead of this moment of rebirth, we can, we can focus our journaling and our, you know, ritualing on things we are celebrating and completing and wishing we're done. You know, we could be practicing this release um, and letting go. And that can be, you know, it's a Sagittarius is a fire sign. So this eclipse coming on Monday would be a good time to uh, build a fire in your backyard or even just light a candle and, um, you know, write down some things that um, you've, that you're finishing, you know, that is the, and something you've, uh, you know, think about what you've really, the healing that you've earned and the lessons you've learned and, um, and what you're preparing to walk, you know, truly let go of, um, and then burn it in the fire. And there's something, you know, these, this kind of ritualing is very, very powerful, um, because the unconscious mind really, um, speaks in, its language is the language of image and metaphor and uh, ritual is just enacted metaphor. And so as we've written these things down and we're watching them burn away, it's, it's helping to almost like send the message to our body and to our unconscious mind that like, yeah, this is, this is done and we're releasing this. And I always have a practice if I do a ritual like that of making sure to say thank you and goodbye. <laughs> like honoring first the things I'm letting go of. So I'm never like getting rid of something in it out of anger or yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Because it's gotten you here. So oh, or, yeah, whatever, whatever it is that you're letting go of has gotten you to the point of realizing that you can and should let go of it. And, and as you said, the heat, what do you say? The healing that's been earned and the lessons that have been learned. Mm -hmm. That's good. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like just the idea that, that uh that healing can be earned that healing is available <laughs> is even uh, oh man think yeah we've all been through it you know whatever healing and new you know new insights and um the ways that you give less fucks than you used to give and you know the i mean to me it's all about the big process of becoming more ourselves which it turns out is very challenging and takes an entire lifetime to do like strip away all the things that are not you as we just like get closer and closer to um, truly just being exactly who we are, you know, and getting to kind of rejoice and being alive and being in whatever specificness of our, you know, our manifestation, our, this body, this life, um, these sets of experiences, these feelings, these perspectives, all the things that have shaped me. Um, yeah. I'm trying to just do that. I'm trying to just be that and do that and let the life, the creative life force um, move through me. And all of this is really just preparation for this beautiful solstice moment where you get to do the other thing, which is like, okay, now that I have completed this cycle, um, what are my intentions for this next phase in my life? Are there, and, and I just want anybody listening to this, I want you to just, I want you to imagine that the universe is listening to you and that it is not going to give you anything unless you ask for it. And this isn't about, you know, the secret and manifesting a million dollars. You know what I mean? Don't, don't come at us with that. Like, like this is about truly tuning in to your holy yes, you know, like your, what, what do you want to do with your life? Uh, what if you could do with your life exactly what you wanted to do with your life, you know? Um, 
how do you want, you know, do you want to call in development of your gifts or, you know, um, new, new relationships that, that, you know, resonate with where you're at now, or um, I don't know, big healing in your, in your family or your, you know, I don't know what it is, but um, I, I would just encourage you to, to think big in terms of thinking beyond what you might think is possible for you, letting yourself move beyond that a little bit. And it's also good exercise to think about asking for those things for everyone. <laughs> like what I want for myself, I want for everyone, you know, like, and how can I take the energy of, of ambition um, or even greed, you know, and, and hold it on behalf of everyone on behalf of the collective because it's zero degrees of Aquarius. So it's this beautiful moment of initiation of a new cycle in your life and um, a new cycle in all our lives. And let's like, let's go big. You know what I mean? Yeah. Go, go in for the collective. Yeah. If we can't imagine it, we can't enact it. Yeah. It all begins with this moment of like, I'm going to imagine what's possible. I'm going to speak it. Um, and solstice rituals are also commonly fire rituals. That's the time of year it is, you know, we're trying to stay warm and <laughs> uh, enjoy the pretty lights. Um, and I always have a solstice fire. Uh, my favorite um, ritual is actually to throw poppy seeds into the fire. So I'm like literally throwing seeds into the fire and poppy seeds make a really um, satisfying sound um, because they pop when they go into the fire. You get to hear the seeds kind of like do something exciting. Um, and that. so I actually speak my intentions into the fire and then psh, throw some poppy seeds in. I like it. So yeah. I didn't know that about poppy seeds, even though it's in the name. I didn't know that it was, uh, that they popped. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's why they're called poppy seeds. <laughs> I sort of doubt it. It's just my own personal, you know, pleasure thing. Um, you know, there are times of year to like where we set intentions and do rituals by like planting seeds in the earth. Um, and if that feels right to you, you know, go ahead. Um, but I like to throw seeds in the fire. Um, yeah, pine cones would be a great thing to burn in your solstice fire. Cause it's this idea of like, you're like burning down an old structure and releasing all these seeds, um, of new trees. And that might have a really potent meaning. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah. Mm. sounds that all sounds really good do you is there uh anything else like is there anything else anything that i should have asked you that you want people to know about i could just i could just sit here and let you talk on and on and on so <laughs> i think that um yeah i you know if you're if anyone out there is feeling insane right now and having like big waves of anxiety um, you know, I, I would just affirm that and validate that and, and say like, oh, actually that's pretty much how most of us are feeling right now. And, um, if you would like, you could blame it on the eclipses. I find it very helpful to have this thing that's outside of me and go like, oh, of course, of course, this is really intense right now. There is things that are getting stirred up you know, ahead of this, ahead of this moment of contraction. Um, and that's, it's just a natural part of the cycle. Um, it's a natural part of the like growth and healing cycle as well to get lost and feel like you're regressing and feel like I can't believe this thing is coming up again. Didn't I, haven't I like healed this already? Why am I not done? Um, you know, healing is not linear. Um, it, it, it happens in a sort of a spiral and a cycle. We come back to the same things over and over again. And um, so try not to shame yourself if you're having a hard time in the middle of a pandemic. Um, this is, yeah, this is a time, this is a year to like really 
<laughs> radically reinterpret what resilience means, um, what we expect out of ourselves, um, uh, you know, how we, like how, I think how like lovingly we speak to ourselves. Um, you know, just if you're struggling, just, you know, imagine whatever you're going through, imagine that it's happening to someone that you love, like a best friend or, you know, a brother or sister. And imagine if that person said to you, I'm having a hard time, I'm such a, you know, failure. Like, how would you feel about that person? You would be like, oh my God, are you crazy? It's a pandemic. Um, we're, we've just survived and we're not even done quite yet, but we've survived four years of uh, a, an insane narcissist, and, you know, that was elevated to the office of the presidency, who's just been like grifting the, you know, all of the citizens of the United States. Like what we have survived is, is profound. And, you know, we need to, give ourselves some time to process what's happened, um, to grieve what's happened. Uh, many people have also lost a lot of loved ones this year. And, you know, that's true every year because death is not a rumor and it's, it's what's going on for all of us. But um, this year that it, it's very much amplified and so if this is a hard time for you headed towards this holiday, I want you to kind of take this as a little bit of tonic or hope that, um, that there will not be this like difficult astrology again <laughs> in our lifetimes. Well, there's going to be difficult astrology. There's going to be challenging years. Um, being a human is a, deep experience of suffering and humiliation. So there's no dignity, there's no hope. Like, listen, it's, you know, for sure. And there is also joy. There is massive joy to being alive. And we have, we are, we are making it through this, this era of, of darkness. Um, and, and an inflection point truly is on the horizon. Like, shift is going to happen. Um, and it's really important that we track that, notice it, have space for it, notice, you know, and stay awake to and curious to uh, what, it, what it's possible to change, um, both in our lives and in the world, um, to sort of hold space for that, you know? Um, so even if we're just planting little seeds of hope and, um, and then acting like, you know, nervous mothers, you know, <laughs> like wish we could dig up the seed and see how it's doing, but know it's best to just, you know, let a seed, let a seed be in the darkness. That's how seeds actually germinate. So set your intentions, take it seriously. Also, feel light about it, <laughs> do whatever's comforting, you know, let yourself contract if you can, like let yourself rest um, at the end of this epic, epic year. Um, what we need on the other side of this is people ready to um, rebuild yeah. something new. Right. So yeah, protect your sanity, protect your sincerity, protect your joy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and uh, have a little pride in it reverses the shame of what you may not have done or what may have gone down this year. Have pride in, in that you're here and you've made it and all the things that you did along the way, like shift, shift the whole perspective to like, Whoa, look at what I did this year. Man, we were, we, we were babies a year ago. We were tiny babies. Right. <laughs> Right. I like to say, yeah, exactly. Right. We didn't and we have learned a little bit about what we are capable of this year, what we are capable of surviving. And that is worth um, acknowledging and celebrating. Yeah. So happy eclipse season, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> happy thank solstice. You. Yeah. Thank you, Shannon. All right. Well, I enjoyed that. And I hope all of you enjoyed getting some insight into uh, the life and times of the stars and planets and universe and cosmic flow 
and got some ideas about how you can uh, dip into it all right now in this kind of big time. And also, so the Great Conjunction, which is happening on the 21st, which we talked about, you might be able to see it in the sky. So depending, clouds, obviously, but the idea is about a half hour or hour after sunset on the 21st, that's the solstice, look into the southwest and you should be able to see a bright light that may look like one light. It's Saturn and Jupiter conjuncting, like maybe locate it a few nights early so you can figure out, because there could be trees in the way, you know, so if you really want to see it, I think it shows up like above the moon-ish and you can kind of find, you can see them, they're getting closer, right? You can see them and then, and then find your spot so you can check it out and then light a fire, set some intentions and have joy. So, you know, uh, when I decided to make this an eclipse season themed podcast episode, I got in touch with our comedian in residence, Emmy Galaxy, just to see if she had any eclipse jokes or anything. I don't know. You never know with that one, right? I mean, I have an eclipse joke, but it gets dark. Instead, she sent us something else, which I think you're really going to enjoy. So friends, please put your hands together for Emmy Galaxy. Okay, well... You said the theme was eclipse season, and I'm thinking, what the hell does eclipse season mean? And I'm just wondering and wondering, and it keeps going around and around in my head, and then suddenly I'm singing Total Eclipse of the Heart in my head, and I'm like, why am I singing that song? And I realized it's because of eclipse season. And then I started thinking about Total Eclipse of the Heart. I started thinking about Bonnie Tyler and the day that I met her, and actually remembered that I already had written a story about the day that I met Bonnie Tyler and about so much more. And so I thought, oh, I'll just read that because it's about total eclipse of the heart. So I figured that probably makes sense for eclipse season. I don't know what else it would be about. So here goes, here goes my story. I think I must've written this about seven years ago. I prefer not to have a best friend. Well, mostly I prefer not to call someone my best friend. Too much of a commitment, maybe claustrophobic even. But since it was so long ago, I feel like I can say that Cheryl was my best friend, probably from when we were seven years old to about 11. Cheryl and I didn't go to the same school, but our parents were friends and our families attended the same church. Cheryl's family were definitely church people. They held freshly washed hands at the dinner table and prayed before each meal, and they ate side salads out of worn wooden bowls. They used washcloths instead of applying the soap directly to their bodies and they had a general kindness and goodness about them. My family, on the other hand, were not church people. While we did go to church every Sunday, we went out of a sense of tradition and for the community it provided, or so that's what I was told years later after we all stopped going to church. My family never once prayed before a meal, not even on a holiday. No one in my family really ever mentioned the word God unless one of us was practicing a Bible reading that we'd volunteer to recite at the next church service. The truth is, I don't think the idea of God ever made much sense to any of us. I remember my brother at once asking if hell was real, and my dad said disparagingly and with a slight sneer, there's no such thing as hell. This pleased us, much more so than the answer we got to our question about how babies get out. That was a bet nobody won. So yes, Cheryl was my best friend. In the summer, we'd spend days and days together, cycling through each of our family's rituals and daily behavior several times over. Cheryl's house was a 50s ranch with the perfect kid basement. We could do anything down there, play Foursquare, roller skate, make Barbie and Ken have sex in their dream house, watch the Dukes of Hazard, and listen to music. We made her beagle spot crazy by tickling him until he was disoriented and then racing him through the basement so we could jump up on the dryer just as he was about to bite our ankles. The truth is, Spot was already crazy, which is why he loved this game. It felt daring and thrilling to us, much more exciting than the soap operas we created in the dream house. Cheryl was more dramatic than I was. She was more dramatic than almost anyone I knew. She'd always complain and cry when her mom brushed her hair. She'd talk back to her mom, even though this wasn't allowed. Don't you sass back, her mom would say. In some ways, I wonder how we were ever friends because we had such a different approach to navigating life. One of the things we definitely had in common, though, was a love of music. Records at my house, cassette tapes at hers. Somehow I'd managed to get the okay to move the family record player from the living room into my bedroom. Cheryl and I would sit and sip straight lemon juice out of wine glasses while we listened to albums. This made us feel fancy and adult. We'd listen to whatever records my parents had, Olivia Newton-John, Johnny Cash, The Bee Gees, Merle Haggard, Anne Murray, Barbra Streisand. 
Cheryl had one of those newer portable tape players, which meant we could have music with us wherever we went. We'd take Pat Benatar or Sheila E. with us as we climbed the sour cherry tree in her backyard, or while riding our bikes down the road to the Dariette. We'd dance like crazy to Prince on the braided oval rug in the basement. Sometimes we used our allowances to buy music at the mall, or we'd ask for specific albums for birthdays or Christmas. Most of the time, though, we'd borrow records from the local library. We'd choose a stack of records, based mostly on what the covers looked like, and record the ones we liked onto blank cassette tapes. Cheryl's family frequented the YMCA pool in town. One day I went with them, and after suffering through Cheryl getting her wet hair combed out, her mom took us to the library. Our library kept their record albums on the mezzanine level. It would be years later at Rockefeller Center in New York City before I encountered another mezzanine level. At our library, this level was used almost entirely for reference books, except for one small section that had albums. Cheryl and I went up the staircase and started quietly flipping through the records. Each one was encased with a thick plastic sleeve that had a pocket for the stamped card. I can't remember if the albums were in alphabetical order or organized by genre. It didn't really matter to us since we made our choices based mostly on the cover. As we were flipping through the stack, we came to an album with a woman on the front who had hair we could only dream of having. It was like she'd feathered it in a zero-gravity environment. No pick we'd ever seen at the drugstore was capable of creating this kind of lift. We'd never heard of Bonnie Tyler before, but her hair told us that she definitely had a message we needed to hear. We headed to my house after the library so Cheryl's mom and my mom could can tomatoes, or maybe they'd just gossip over a pot of Maxwell House. Either way, this meant we could listen to our new record and make one copy for each of us. The process for recording an album onto a tape was complicated and fraught with X-factors. To us, at the time, it felt like we were getting away with something. A typical recording session required plugging in my boombox, inserting a blank tape on the side that could record, and putting the box directly in front of the stereo speakers. We then placed the record under the magnetic arm so it hovered stiffly above the turntable. The last and most difficult step was to reduce background noise. We'd go around to everyone in the house and tell them we were about to begin recording and ask them to be extra quiet for a half an hour. I don't think we ever got a recording without a few errant sounds, but it was okay because those sounds melded with the music and made each recording unique. Once we were confident that everything was in place to get the best possible recording, we'd return to my room, closing the door tightly to create an additional barrier to outside sounds. We'd always push record first, then drop the record. As it started to play, we'd carefully and quietly position ourselves on the bed and listen. Okay, so usually I would just play the song, Bonnie Tyler's version of Bonnie Tyler's song, Total Eclipse of the Heart, but I can't play it because you're putting it on a podcast and it's her song and not ours. And so because of licensing things, I mean, not that I care about that. Obviously, I was recording music from the library, so, <laughs> um, but I do care about it. So I just went ahead and uh, there was, I had it was kind of fortuitous, actually, one of the retirement homes that I was at for a little while doing a few shows, they were able to figure out some kind of outside karaoke night. And so it just coincided. I did the sign up for the karaoke and created my own version. And so just pretend like I haven't said any of this stuff and it just went right into this version. Every now and then I get a little bit lonely and you're never coming round Every now and then I get a little bit tired of listening to the sound of my tears Every now and then I get a little bit nervous that the best of all the years have gone by Every now and then I get a little bit terrified and then I see the look in your eyes Every now and then I fall apart Every now and then I fall apart Little bit restless and I dream of something wild Every now and then I get a little bit helpless And I'm lying like a child in your arms Every now and then I get a little bit angry And I know I've gotta get out and cry Every now and then I get a little bit terrified But then I see the look in your eyes Every now and 
fall apart Every now and then I fall apart And I need you now tonight And I need you more than ever And if you only hold me tight We'll be holding on forever And we'll only be making it right Cause we'll never be wrong Yeah, well, we can take it to the end of the line Your love is like a shadow on the time Don't know what to do, I'm always in the dark Living in a counterpeg, you know, spot I'm living here tonight, forever's gonna start tonight Forever's gonna start tonight Nothing I could say, a total eclipse of the heart A total eclipse of the heart A total eclipse of the heart Turn around bright eyes. <laughs>